0: There was a man at the airport restroom using the sink. He went to dry his hands, and it was one of those automatic towel dispensers. (laughs) Now, you know I love watching people fumble with those things, because some men of a certain age get real flustered when it doesn't work the way they thought it would. Uh, uh, This fella, he tried one, and no towel came out. Then he went to the other one, and no towel came out. And hands dripping, he said to me, It's me. I'm invisible to these things. Happens all the time. And I began to wonder what if that was true? And how had this man, ordinary in all other ways, come to have this special ability? To be invisible to technology? Was it a mutation, a genetic variation? A key to saving humanity from the singularity and the rise of the robot overlords? He wiped his hands on his jeans and walked out, unaware of his potential role in saving our species. I put out my hand and got a paper towel right away from the same dispenser he was using. <laughs> Strange times we live in. Strange times. It gets even stranger when we step inside the portal that leads us to the Deep Night. Deep Night, deep Night hey. It's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm so pleased to be your host, guide, and guru through this next hour of regrets and revelations. To be the blossoming tree in your spiritual backyard is all I've ever wanted. Now we come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And oh, the Gowanus, the Gowanus. Now you look into that. You look into it and it reflects back a mirror universe of darkness and agony. Pink cherry trees in our reality appear in the Gowanus. As if on fire, birds happily eating seeds and singing their proud spring songs are reduced to smoldering bones in its reflection. It's just the Guani's way of telling us, don't get too happy and comfortable, and do not jump in. Message received, Superfund Spirits. We have a wonderful guest on the show tonight, someone who I did not know going into this, as is often the case, and what she reflected back was strength and keen insight into her current moment and ours. I'm speaking, of course, of comedian Natalie Alcar. Natalie grew up in Lebanon, and we talk a bit about the differences of doing comedy there and doing comedy in the U.S. She's one of the producers of Tickling the Ivories, a weekly comedy show every Monday at Pianos. In New York City's Lower East Side, she's in shows all the time. She's been part of the Brooklyn Comedy Festival, among others. Let's go now to a really fascinating and revealing conversation with Natalie Alcar. And it's spring out there, isn't it?
1: Mm, yeah, you pretty hot. You can high. feel it. Yep. You can
0: feel it. It's warm. It's warm in here. And I don't know if it's because I lived on the West Coast and uh, everything was blossoming all the time and there was only one season. Or if it's just I'm getting sentimental as I age, but I've become a real spring freak. I love it. I love seeing the blossoms. Let them out.
1: Me too. I agree. And I think it's, um, for me anyway, it's definitely because of how cold the winter is here. Yes. It's just it made me appreciate the spring and the summer so much where I'm like,
0: land. Just yeah. something. And it was very gray this year. It was very gray. Very gray. Mm-hmm. So now, all right, let's get into it. I know that there's a little bit of back and forth in mm-hmm. your history, and we'll talk about that. But how yes. long have you been in New York doing comedy?
1: Um, three and a half years. Three and a half years? Yes.
0: Relatively Both. recent.
1: Yes, but, right. But yeah.
0: pretty much working all the time, mm-hmm. it seems to me.
1: Yes, all the time.
0: As someone who only knows you from social media kind of stuff, yeah, uh, it seems like you're always on, on the hot shows.
1: I hope so. I try to be. <laughs> I try to be. I, I'm um, on some of the hot shows, but I'm also on a lot of the not-so-hot shows. Oh, I
0: know those. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I think we all do a little too well. <laughs> um, those
0: are the character builders, though, aren't they?
1: That's what they say. That's what they say. But, you know, every time I get to those... And they're bad, and it's kind of it's kind of like, ugh, you know, and um, I remember people are like, "Yeah, those will build you, they will make you better." I'm like, "Well, they don't like I feel like I get so much more out of like a fun, good show than I get out of a shitty show. I feel like I live a shitty show, and I'm like, "What was that?
0: <laughs> right. What right. was it? Well, if you yeah. have a good time at yeah. one of these crappy shows, sometimes you do. Th- then it's all right. It's yeah. decent kind of just goes into the invisible memory, yeah, you know if you have a bad time, no matter where you are true that stays with you forever
1: exactly and the good thing about these not so hot shows is that there's less pressure yeah so when you get there and you're like oh this is there's three people here everybody's kind of struggling no matter what i do it's not going to change who i am so i don't care and then you end up using it very productively yes because you're right uh, you're like whatever i don't care but then when you get to the really good shows and you're like okay everything is going really well here this is a packed room yep. everybody's happy if this doesn't go well I have only myself to blame, <laughs> so it's a lot more stressful, right, yes. than the other ones where you're like, "Oh, I can blame everything else. I can blame the walls. I can blame the waiters. I can pl- blame the place. It's not me." You know.
0: But you do learn from those a little bit. I, I do think. Oh, I don't know. I do. Let me speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I I did a kind of a mm, show last night. Yeah. And uh, I knew that's what it was going to be, mm-hmm. and so I kind of and I said, "No, you got to really bring the same attention to it. You got to sell it." Yes. Or it's not going to go anywhere. I agree. And and I knew that, but mm-hmm. then I still kind of thought, because nah. mm. you get there and there's not a lot of people mm-hmm. in the front at least.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's you true. think,
0: what am I? What am I doing? Yeah. I put on a suit for this.
1: <laughs> Do <you> wear suits?
0: <laughs> sometimes. A lot of times yeah. it's just a turtleneck, but sometimes yeah. I'll put a blazer over it. Interesting. But you know, you, you gotta you gotta look professional up there.
1: Yeah. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Yeah. What's your
0: go to look?
1: Uh, I don't have a go-to look. I'll just be wearing whatever I was wearing that day. And I'm, I'm a very sporty person. Uh So I'll I'll always be wearing, most of the time you'll catch me in jeans, sneakers and a t-shirt. That's it. I mean, I never dress too well, but not because I don't want to be dressed too well on stage. It's just that I just like, I don't feel like it fits me in life. Yeah. And I, when I'm on stage, I like to feel as close to me as, as possible. And I don't dress sophisticatedly, ever. Almost like even if I go to a very like beautiful place or event, yes. I'm always dressed in like jeans and sneakers. Yeah. So I'm like, why am I going to do it differently? But when I first started comedy, I used to dress really badly, and I used to like not fix my hair or my face or anything because I used to feel like if I look good, I'm not going to be funny.
0: Ah, I used to think buying that, into that kind of a myth
1: at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. like, if I look good, they're not going to buy it from me. You know,
0: hmm. the yeah. humor. Yeah.
1: But then I kind of grew out of it. I yeah. was like, I realized, I was like, I've seen girls looking fierce and amazing and just be hilarious. If I was really funny, the look wouldn't matter. Yeah. So I started forcing myself to dress better, to look better, to find comfort and feeling good and also feeling like I could be funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah yeah well, that's true yeah. and and to get to your authentic self, that's the key exactly right? to be to be just who you are just up there. who you are yeah and then that then people can read that and they know and they don't have to guess exactly and that's like a huge part of somebody getting to know each other exactly as an audience member and a, a person yeah up there. yeah, and if they trust you, oh yeah they, uh, <laughs> That's yeah. and if half you the work
1: and if you're not true to yourself, they won't trust you, but they won't know why <laughs> Right. but they'll feel like right. something's off
0: they'll sense it they'll sense it right yep. Yep. yeah, yeah. They'll sense the, the inauthenticity <laughs> of it. Um, well, that's, and we're fortunate to live in a time where we don't have to wear suits all over, or, you know, skirts and this and that, yeah. and that we can be a little bit truer to whatever that authentic is.
1: Yeah. And in if, a if time, it's more so in a place. I yes, feel like New York is yeah. kind of the place where you can just be whoever and dress however, yeah. wherever you are.
0: Although I did see a couple uh, of folks in just the, the real uh, ugly sneakers. Uh, mm-hmm. Today, and what I are
1: thought, the ugly sneakers?
0: Oh, kind of like low end, uh, you know, Nike, Adidas thing. Not like the high end. Uh, I'm wearing,
1: wearing Nikes. No, but
0: those are nice. Okay, these good. were not. These I was were like, like, oh no, no, these are like tourist. I don't know how to describe okay. them. Okay, like a knockoff Nike or something. They okay. were just like, they were clearly designed to just alleviate like a back or a foot problem. These are, uh, they're like functional shoes, mm-hmm. and I'm not fine. Everybody can do what they want to do, but I was just coming out of the subway and thinking. Is, that, is this really where we are? <laughs> we could do better. We could do better.
1: I think we're at a place of comfort. Maybe because, they're, you know, I remember when I used to travel and I'd have a lot of walking around to do and I'd wear shoes conveniently for that. They were not that great. Yeah. 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 It was <laughs> Well, sometimes
0: bad. that's true. Yeah. When I travel, I like to bring clothes that are disposable so I have less to put in my suitcase to come out. Yeah. So sometimes it's just they exist in the picture. <laughs> but I happen to notice this one couple and I'm sorry, but. It, it got I it got a little judgy I yeah. got a little judgy, it's okay, you grew up in Lebanon, correct yes, and uh i and as a, we were talking a little bit beforehand, but I'm sensitive to the fact that maybe you don't want to talk about Lebanon all the time,
1: yeah, is it's, that true? It's not that I don't <laughs> want to talk about Lebanon all the time. I love talking about Lebanon because obviously I love lebanon, sure um yes. you know it's my home country, and uh my whole life is there, my whole family, everything I am is from there, yeah um. I, I do get nervous sometimes to say the wrong thing though, right? <laughs> I see, yeah, because, because I you're feel being like... forced to represent an entire exactly. country. Exactly, I'm representing yeah. a whole population when I'm talking about it. Right. Not that I have an inf- like a world influence or anything, but wherever you are, when you are a person of a certain place and you are talking about that place, it could be you could be in a cave, yeah, and talking to three people about it. Right. You're still representing that place. Yes. And these three people, even though they're not a big number, there's still three people who are going to take back whatever you said to another three people, who are going to bring it to another three people, who's going to give it to a person who's going to tell a million people. Yes. Right. So it's no matter what the scale is, if I'm talking to three people or if I'm talking to a room of 100 people when I'm on stage, I just I'm always I always have to really think about what I'm saying to make sure that I don't say anything that later I'll be like, mm, I didn't mean it that way, though. But that's how it came out. Right. Right, so that's that's where I get nervous when I talk about my country.
0: Well, I, I hope not to put you on the spot then too much mm-hmm. in, in that regard because no. you're just representing yourself. This is yes, diverse exactly. population. Of I think people I've gotten
1: there. better at controlling what I'm saying now. <laughs> okay.
0: Yes, All right. <laughs> and uh, I would say, I mean, I've had people in here from Delaware, and I go a little too deep into <laughs> yeah. into Delaware as a defining. Go ahead. Thing. But I also like I am. Uh, mm, Intrigued by the idea that a particular landscape can really inform us mm-hmm. to the point that I even think that our language is defined by yeah. landscape. Yeah. You know, if you had to have words for snowy mountaintop and beautiful cherry blossom, that might come out a different way than if you had to describe desert and joshua trees or something even in a more contemporary style new york is very short staccato because you have to get the attention and everybody's moving and california is more laid back and it goes up at the end and it's just like it that's how the yeah (laughs) the the landscape is and i'm i'm so intrigued by that idea i hope somebody will study it and back (laughs) me up (laughs) in that theory but uh the places that we grow up it does. It does impact us yeah. and how Defines we view us. the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the what is the landscape like where you grew up?
1: Um, can you define the landscape?
0: Uh, I mean, were you at the beach? Were you uh, ah, okay. more of a mountain? Lebanon um, has many different yes. Uh, terrains. Yes.
1: So the interesting thing about Lebanon is, no matter where you lived, like where you were living, where your home was geographically, you're still everywhere else at the same time because it's such a small country mm. that. I can go from one end to the other end of the country in two hours.
0: Wow. Right? So yeah.
1: I lived in the city in Beirut, which mm-hmm. is, you know, a lot of big buildings. And, and it's also 10 minutes away from the shore, mm-hmm. from the Mediterranean shore. But also we had a house in the mountains where we would go in the summer and in the winter. So we would go in the winter to ski. Yeah. And then we would go in the summer to just, you know, spend the summers there and like bike and just go on adventures in the forest and in the mountains. It's like it's a huge mountain. And uh, also we would go sometimes to just sit at the beach for a whole weekend. And it was all like so accessible. Yeah. Right? So you live in the city, but you get out of the city almost every day. Like my school was in the forest almost. (laughs) Yeah. It was like on on a mountain in the forest. So it... You're you live in one place but you're also in all the other places at the same time. I like that very yeah.
0: much. It is it's one that of we our had perks. That here.
1: <laughs> it's one of our perks. One of like the most common thing that Lebanese people pride themselves with to the point where it's kind of become a joke, is that oh Lebanon, the place where you can ski on the snow and in the sea on the same day. <laughs> you know, you can just go to the mountain ski and then go back onto the sea and water ski on the same day.
0: It sounds ideal.
1: It is. <laughs> and an ideal it sounds ideal. Yeah. Sounds, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I have the opportunity, um, Mm -hmm. and part of why I was excited to have you come in Mm -hmm. is because I had the opportunity to go to Beirut later this year.
1: You're going this year?
0: I don't know. Well, this is what I want to ask you because I have always uh, in the past been a little um, uh, reluctant Mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. And the last time we were supposed to go uh, to this big uh, wellness convention out there, uh, the last time we were supposed to go, uh, I said, I don't feel right. And a couple of days later, a bomb went off. When near was the place that? that we were supposed to be, a couple of years ago, probably two years ago, three years really? ago, really, maybe, I don't maybe three. There
1: years was ago. a war. This there was a bomb. This this I don't long know. Some, some, anyway.
0: something happened. Something happened, and which... it was right where we're supposed to be. I said, well, "See, see, yeah,
1: yeah."
0: <laughs> but now, I would think the reverse of that is I wouldn't go to America if I read the news. Yeah, <laughs> on any true. given day, true. No one so would what go am anywhere. I doing? Yeah, that's true. If they saw that's the Western true.
1: news, I would say,
0: yeah, of yeah. that place. So am I just overreacting? Am I just uh, I'm, I, one thing is letting me? Uh, yeah. hold Yeah.
1: Um, I wouldn't say you're overreacting. I think it's fair to feel that since you've never been and you don't know it. If yeah. I had never been to Lebanon and to see what you guys are seeing here, I would also be. Yeah. You know, but when you're there, it's like it's a whole other world. That's, that's, that's what. Whole, it, that's yeah. what it seems like. It's so. It's. I, I have. I have had my friends come visit from here. Um, I go twice a year. Yeah. I it's to me it's it's there's nothing going on. <laughs> there's literally nothing. It's all party yeah, yeah. and food and music and happiness, especially in the summer. Yeah. Like the summer in Beirut is probably the most fun place to be.
0: And ever. Uh, and uh, I get it I gather it's a real party scene.
1: Yes, very big party scene.
0: People enjoy the drinking. Yep. They enjoy having the fun.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> because <laughs> I think over over time, especially that Lebanon had a fifteen year civil war from nineteen seventy five to nineteen ninety. Yeah, that after that ended, there was a sort of um, sentiment that came out of it of, "Oh, we're not dying right now. Let's celebrate."
0: Ah, yeah. So it
1: kind of followed through the last twenty years or so that. We're just like, we always have to celebrate. As long as things are going well, we have no reason to not be celebrating. Be celebrating because there's a, we say this thing a lot in Lebanon, which is a normal response to things. Like when somebody's like, let's go, uh, let's go to the beach on Saturday. They're, They're like, let us live to Saturday. So it's like there's this mentality of you never know what can happen. You never know what's going to go. So as long as nothing's happening and things are good, let's just celebrate and be happy. But things have been good for so long that people have just been celebrating for the past 10 years, you know? (laughs) Just partying and drinking and eating and, you know.
0: Well, I think that's partially what influenced me too is that I, you know, my growing up period Mm – it wasn't a good time to go to bed.
1: Yeah, it yeah, definitely it wasn't. Was but like, now it's different. Now
0: it seems like okay, let's live for Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Let's live for Saturday. Not now, Saturday, yeah. any day. Any like day. if I'd
1: be like, let's go to let's go to Turkey next month. <sighs> let us live till next month, and then we'll see. It's yeah. like always. Oh, let us live till this moment, <laughs> and then we'll decide. Right. Because there's this mentality of oh, maybe we won't. Right. Right. Even though it's not the case anymore.
0: But and I still so, like that. I like that. I like it too. I like it too.
1: We live day by day, and we enjoy every second, like it's the last, literally. But it's never the last (laughs) because there's there's nothing going on.
0: So bring some Advil. You think?
1: Yeah, I think (laughs) you'll need that.
0: (laughs) Is Is it just a legendary hangover for the folks there?
1: Um, I don't know how legendary it is, but if you do go, I would suggest if you have a drink, have it with no ice. Okay. And then don't eat like lettuce and tomatoes in restaurants because we don't so sometimes some places use tap water for the ice and our tap water is not that clean oh okay I would be fine because I already have the immunity against it it. but when Americans go a lot of my every time my American friends come or my cousins who lived here their whole life when they go to Lebanon and they have a drink with ice they get sick yeah like for two days it's food poisoning
0: you don't have the gut bacteria to deal with it
1: exactly and it's the same for um, raw vegetable like lettuce and stuff yeah so I would be fine but Again, you could
0: No no I'm not gonna get the B L T. Yeah. Forget it.
1: Exactly. So I would say like stay away from raw vegetables and yep. ice. And then besides that and then we'll be good. Just have fun. Oh yeah. my
0: gosh. Well this is that's enormously helpful. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm curious. Let me know if you go. I'd be curious that. to know if you're going. Yeah. I'll tell you where which places are fun. I would i like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I would like to do that. You think maybe I can book some gigs over there? How's yeah. the comedy scene? Good. Um it's booming. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's 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 like a year old, barely. Um, there's like maybe 10, 15 comics in total, but I think they're encouraging more comics to start doing comedy. Have you done it? I have done it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I headlined a couple of shows when I was there in December. Of course you did. And it was just magical. (laughs) It was beautiful. It was the best I've ever felt on stage. Were you
0: able to do jokes you can't do here? Yeah.
1: No, I mean, I did my jokes that I do here. Oh, just
0: as is. I
1: didn't change anything, Uh which I was very nervous about because I have no filter here.
0: Right? (laughs) Because I'm
1: like... Those are The things that I talk about here on stage are things that I n- never dreamt to talk about there that I wouldn't talk about in real life there, not even <laughs> let alone on stage. Right. And I think that's what I loved so much. And what got me into comedy here is that I realized, oh, I can say anything I want in this country and no one will judge me. So I started – I loved that. I was like, okay, let me talk about all these things that I've been feeling throughout my whole life that I wasn't able to talk about over there. Mm-hmm. And then once I started talking about them, I was like, actually, these things are not such a big deal. Like <laughs> sex, for example, or like money or things like that. Where in Lebanon, everything is taboo. You, there's uh-huh. like specific things that you have to follow. There's a norm. And if you get out of the norm, people start talking. People start gossiping. You're – like some words start, you know, getting enforced on you. Like people define you in a certain way. So I was just always scared of that. And then when I came here and I was like, I was, I was kind of, it was my own revolution with myself. Mm -hmm. I just loved it. And then when I went back, I was like, look at me, you guys. Now I'm not afraid to say all these things in front of you. Ha. And it was really (laughs) freeing. Yeah. And I felt like I kind of freed them also a little bit feeling like, oh, see, that's not such a big deal if she's talking about it. Yeah. And this is why I wanted to start comedy. Even though so, the people who saw me are, are a very small percentage of the Arab population and the Lebanese population, if I have to count all the people who saw me when I headlined there. But the goal eventually in a few years is that I want to be able to reach as many Arabs as possible, as many Lebanese people as possible, and kind of try to break those stigmas and, you know, those norms and those limits that are set on us, especially Arab women. Yeah. So this is the dream.
0: That sounds good. Eventually. Natalie, Ambassador of Freedom. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, just I'm talking like I'm trying to be a hero, not that I am in any way. I'm probably going to fuck up at some point on my way there, and I'm going to ruin it all. I'm going to find a way to do it. Well, you'll come back, though. Hopefully.
0: I mean, here, you're always welcome to have a second act. Oh, I hope so. (laughs) That's that's one of the hallmarks here. Doesn't matter. You'll fall all the way down, but oh, gosh, we're so excited to watch you rise.
1: I feel like it's it's the time, though, that everybody's falling and nobody's getting back up now.
0: Yeah. Well, some of these folks have fallen a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> and so Maybe. They, they had Maybe their that chance. we do, that
1: I don't know of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like everybody's just falling around. Just me. falling. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like one little mistake. Some of them deserve it. Just oh go. yes. Well, but there's some of that. them, I'm like, really. That's all it took. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So we'll see.
0: That's that's a new thing.
1: It is a new yeah. thing. yeah. <laughs> When I first started comedy yeah. or like when I first got to New York that wasn't a thing. It's been new for like the past year and a half. I feel like it started it started with one, like it started I feel like with the Me Too movement where people started bringing down the really terrible
0: yep.
1: you know things that have been going on which was great, but then it started trickling down to other things, not just, you know, sexual harassment. It was also like um just I I feel like it's um it's like right now it's the generation of like the strong and the powerful just being brought down for the bad things they're doing. Yeah. Right. So it went from sexual harassment all the way to like college briberies and it's like I'm like, which part of it is gonna be next? What's gonna be next?
0: That's why I always leave a good tip. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want bad tipping to be the, <laughs> the thing next that time, takes me yeah, down. Yeah, I don't want that. It's
1: very interesting to see, though, because especially with yeah. the with the college bribery thing, that was the most interesting thing, thing to me. Because, like, sexual harassment, obviously, like we know it's everybody knows it's bad. But for the college bribery thing, it was very funny because I was talking about it with my Lebanese friends, and Lebanon is such a corrupt country. Like, corruption <laughs> is it's so corrupt that to the point that almost corruption is no longer corrupt. Do you know what I mean? Like, corruption is just. Maybe. Life now. This is what it is. <laughs> right. Right? So when I heard about the when we were talking about the college admission scandal, we were all like, were you also shocked that that was such a bad thing? We were all like, yeah. We didn't know that that was, like, such a big deal. That's very interesting. Morals? There's morals and ethics
0: <laughs> well, that we
1: should. But in Lebanon, no one follows them. Because, again, in Lebanon, it's all about if we're not dying in the war, besides that, everything you can do is fine. Yeah, that's right. Live, live people, for the yeah, people <laughs> are dishonest and there's briberies and there's corruption everywhere that you – have it it sort of normalizes itself to you. Yeah. That well, when I heard about it here, I was like, wow, it's actually that's that is actually bad.
0: I bet you wouldn't hear about it here if there weren't celebrities. If they the
1: weren't world. celebrities, yeah.
0: I truly do cuz that has been going on for quite some time. Right? Not that particular scam maybe, yeah. but however it is, you see some kid get a uh, oh, you have the same name as the wing yeah. of the museum. Yeah. Or the building that they just put up.
1: But that's not illegal, not that right? Because I know for like Dr. Dre yep. posted about his daughter getting into USC all by herself. He was like, my daughter just got into USC, no bribe, like not, something like that. Yeah. And then people went off on him saying like, didn't you just donate a building to them? <laughs> what do you mean? And then he deleted the post. <laughs> and it was like, but that one wasn't illegal. Yeah, no. It's legal. Yeah. So the system in, it, in and of itself is kind of weird where you're like, but the. I guess, one, there's a law against it. The other one, there isn't. So it's not wrong. But the idea of both are kind of similar. Yes. Both gave money to kind of help. But also you could go, you could go, you could have the argument of his daughter is also just a great student. She has great SAT scores. You never know.
0: You never know. But right. it also helps anybody else in that admissions thing to say, well, you know who goes here? Yeah. Dr. Dre's daughter. Yeah. So there's a value to that anyhow.
1: Yeah. But uh, USC is already a great establishment, isn't it? doesn't it need it's okay. to. I have no idea. I don't know what the – I mean, <laughs> I know the Ivy is, Leagues in America are it's great. It's fine. Well, yeah. well also US, that – okay, US well, what do USC I USC isn't quite
0: the Ivy it's League. It's not an Ivy League, yeah. But, but it I heard happens it's a good school. The, uh, sure, it's fine. Yeah. It's a fine mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. Like, you know.
1: I don't know. It's just very intriguing to me. I'm learning so much. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, 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 I would – that corruption is part of it and I think that's why you see some people yeah. uh, going after these systems, these entrenched systems of whatever it happens to be Yeah, and, and calling them out on it is because we have lived with it for so long and everyone has seen it.
1: Mm-hmm. But now
0: there's a little bit of a mechanism yeah. to call them on it and to yeah. make it very embarrassing for people. Yeah. And when that's at it and your reputation is at stake,
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, then that starts to
1: mm-hmm. – Mm-hmm. Get
0: some play and, and yeah. uh, erode some things, yeah. and people curi- have to change policies.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see how this is going to unveil and how this is going to change the norms and how people the behavior. I'm
0: yes. Just curious to see. I am too. Yeah, we'll watch together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Next time it's on the news, we'll just watch it together. <laughs> right. We'll do a hangout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but now back to you, okay, Natalie. Uh, a big family growing up.
1: Um, two older brothers.
0: Two older brothers. Yes. They're the ones that showed you uh music and stuff?
1: Um I don't think they know. No.
0: Could no. care less about you.
1: They uh <laughs> they no, they liked me a lot. Okay. We were pretty close. Um but they didn't show me anything. I just tagged along. Yeah. I was there. just I was obsessed with them. I just wanted to be their friend and I just wanted to be cool like them. So I was very tomboyish growing up.
0: Okay. What I was, was like, cool at the time?
1: Like uh like we would wrestle for fun. Yep. Like I was like five and they were like <laughs> 10 and 12. Yeah. And I would wrestle with them. Like, we would watch WWE fights and then, like, in parallel, we would be wrestling on my parents' bed. Like, oh, I would just, like, (laughs) me. And, like, when my mom would buy me clothes, I would never wear them. I would love wearing my brother's clothes. So, like, when my brothers would grow out of their clothes, my mom would give me some of theirs. Pretty good. Which usually girls hate. They're yep. like, I want my own girl clothes. Why, do I, why would I wear boys' clothes? I used to love wearing their clothes because I think some part of me wanted to be a boy just to fit in with them a little bit more because yeah, yeah. I was really bullied by them also.
0: Mm.
1: Like them and my cousins were, would bully me a lot. So the mountain I was talking to you about that we would go to. So there was one summer that we just spent there because my grandfather was running for government and they're originally from there. So that's where people vote for him. So he was there the whole summer and my mom, who's a lawyer, was helping her dad and her sister, everybody was there. So me and my brothers and my my cousins were kind of there. And we live in the same kind of building there. Mm-hmm. And so we spent that whole summer just, like, while our parents were working on the election, just, like, kind of fucking around in the village in the mountains. we just, like, run around and everything. And they would bully me. I was, like, I was the village bully. Oh. bully duh. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't just them. We had, there was, so there were two groups of kids in the village. There was us. Like me, my brothers, my cousins, and our neighbors, Mm -hmm. and then there was another group of kids from the other side, and these kids had also like their uncle or their grandfather running for government against my grandfather. So we were the two gangs of children (laughs) in this village, where in total there was like maybe seventy people, a bunch of which the two bunches of kids, two different groups of kids, we were we were part of, and we would fight with them every time we would run into each other, like while we were you know playing around the village. Mm -hmm. But then when I was there, they would bully me and then my my gang, which would be my brothers and my cousins and my neighbors, would bully me too. So I was bullied at once by 40 kids at the same time.
0: So not too dissimilar from stand-up.
1: Yeah, right? It's like I'm, I'm looking, looking to... for it now <laughs> yeah. because of that. I just need to be – like. Victimized by a group of people just telling me I suck. <laughs> you was... think
0: that's part of it? We're maybe. joking, but maybe, right? Maybe
1: I don't know. I never thought of it. Did you
0: fight back? What was your what no? Was I, would your cry. Just I would cry. I would just
1: stand there and cry, and they would continue. That yeah. one time, I remember it was me, one of my brothers, Anthony, and then my two cousins, Maisam and Maroon, and it was the it was um it was the four of us. I mean, we we're just like biking around, and then we got to this field of um uh, what do you wheat. Uh-huh. A wheat field. Uh-huh. It was just a whole, like, a huge wheat field. Like, you can't see anything around you but the field. Yes. And there was one tree. And so they were like, let's play hide and seek in the field. You count, <laughs> we'll go hide, and then you find us. And I was like, okay. And I started counting, and they just took their bikes, and they biked away. They left. And then I was done counting to, like, what, 40? And I look around, and it was just me in the middle of the field. Wow. I got – I was five or six years old and i remember it so vividly still it was so scary it was scarring i look around me i'm like i'm all alone and my dad would always tell me he's like be careful in the wheat fields because there are snakes yes there's especially in the mountains over there we would always see snakes everywhere Ah. we were in the middle of the mountains in the north of lebanon so i was just like oh no and i just started crying so hard for like an hour and then an hour later they came back and i was crying so hard you know when you're a kid and you're crying and you're just you sort of like have a hiccup and you're like yeah. rah, rah. Yeah. and they saw me and instead of being like oh my god are you okay they were like agit agit so they were like mimicking the sound of my hiccup oh. they were like git git you have the hiccups git and it became my name in the village <laughs> like i would walk around in the morning people would be like oh it's agit agit that's what my name was my name was the sound i was making wow when i cried my when big you, brother when you are
0: at your most vulnerable
1: Oh yeah, That's a you know horrible what? Horrible story. I haven't told the story in a while, and every time we t- we still talk about it, like me and my cousins. So me, my cousins, yeah. and my brother were still very close. All uh-huh. of us. My family is very tight knit. We I talk about why. that. St- I don't know why either. <laughs> Honestly, and the worst part is like my the the neighbor's little sister who would bully me. Also, she was younger than me. Ugh. That was the worst part. <laughs> she was younger. She was two years younger, and she was still bullying me with them. Usually you bully, bully the youngest, but I wasn't even the youngest. You,
0: I mean, do you do you wake up with that just? I mean, with that nightmare still? I don't. I would, not I anymore. Would dream of that wheat field. Yeah. For the rest of my life. If that. I happened don't to because
1: me. they made up for it because we're all so close now. Yeah, you're friends
0: now. Now it's we're okay. very close. You can but laugh about it.
1: We laugh. We talk about it all the time, and it's, we laugh. It's a but great a part, deal of I laugh with them too. But a part of me is still like. Oh, this hurts. Yeah. I can't believe you guys did that to me. And they never explained to me why. Even them, they're like, we don't know why we were so mean to you because you were so easy to pick on because you would cry right away. Yeah. And it would just give them so much pleasure to watch me cry for some reason.
0: That is a kind of a strange human thing, isn't it? Yeah. To just see that weakness and go for it.
1: Yeah, because they were weak and they were enjoying that someone else was weaker than uh, them. yeah. I yeah. think that's what it, that's what it that's is. What we had, we, me and my cousins... So their mom and my mom, who are sisters, were both very strict moms uh-huh. and very tough that we were very afraid of when we were kids. So I think that that their, the moms not being around for the whole day and them just being with me, they were kind of like, kind of like when they say that the bullied person becomes the bully. Yeah. So they were victimized by the moms, I think, and right. so they had this little thing that they could kind of hit back on without without losing that they kind of took advantage of it.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh remarkable that you came out uh, as, yes. as strong as you are. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, Oof. that's pretty good. Did you th- did you know that when you got here that wrestling would be such a big deal, especially <laughs> in comedy? <laughs> a lot of those wrestling guys, like yeah. a lot of those kids grew up watching wrestling and they love it.
1: Really? I mean, I don't remember much of it cuz we barely watched it. We would you just, just would fight. It. Yeah. We would just fight. We I would ha- I would be bruised. I would like and I would just think, oh, it's awesome! Yeah. yeah, but you
0: were sporty as a kid. Very. Yeah, and so you, what were you playing?
1: Um, so I was big in track and field. Yeah, I was a runner. Yeah, and I was uh, I would do long jump oh, a lot. Mm-hmm. I was a
0: hurdling man.
1: What's hurdling?
0: The hurdles where you got to run and jump over the little things. No, set up a little. You
1: jump. oh yeah when you run
0: <laughs> run and jump yes 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 a lot of people trip on those a lot yes
1: there's like a lot of compilation videos of people just like yes. tripping on yes i still okay. have a little gravel
0: in my knee really? i think from that's cool it.
1: though i just did like a hundred meters i don't know how much that is in feet yeah. Yep. on like the short distance ones yeah i was good at those and sprinting. i was sprinting yeah and i was very good at basketball basketball was my main sport yeah i uh, was captain for a long time and and then i was also a point guard
0: well, you'll appreciate this. I was the uh, manager for the basketball team.
1: Which basketball team?
0: The uh, middle school basketball team. Really? Got to carry those balls around, got to ride on the bus. Hell yeah. Yeah. Was that fun? The backbone of that team, I would argue. <laughs> middle school? oh, <laughs> middle
1: schoolers are the freaking worst. I think it's the worst age.
0: But if you have a position like that mm-hmm. in management mm-hmm. <laughs> in seventh it's not, grade. It's not. Like oh, it's pretty cool. You were in their respect. You were in seventh grade? Real quick. When you I were the manager? That. Yeah, That's seventh funny. or eighth grade, something like that. That's a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility. I was also voted most improved player at the basketball camp.
1: Most improved? Yeah. So were you really good or were you just really bad right before?
0: I was real bad going in and marginally better going out.
1: (laughs) But still bad? (laughs) I was real bad going in and then when I left, I was just bad. (laughs) Yeah. Big improvement. (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) But uh, I like basketball. I still like watching it. It's great. Me too. Yeah. I like it. It's fast. Yeah. It's great baseball
1: Ugh, i don't get it
0: no no uh, why is that anything
1: i don't even know i ask americans this question all the time i'm like and they're like it's the greatest game ever i was like if it was the rest of the world would watch it <laughs> yeah okay nobody yeah. does they're like no, people no. watch it in india i was like okay one no. other country
0: no one has time <laughs> no one has that amount of yeah, time to devote no something some, you should earn a hobby or something <laughs> um but at any point uh, – okay, so wrestling uh, was yes. cool and the sports were happening. Yes. But at, at what point do you get introduced to comedy? And is that comedy uh, Lebanese? Is it European? Is it American? Does it so, matter? So
1: the first comedy I ever watched was French, uh-huh. the first stand-up comedy. So okay. French is my first language. Oh, okay. Because Lebanon was a French colony, so sure. we speak French there. Um, and it was gad el he was the first comedian I ever knew.
0: Who you toured with?
1: Who I t- opened for? Yeah, that's a big deal. It was a big deal. It was a dream come true. I it feel was. like
0: you do not get the amount of attention or, or you know long tail from that. Mm-hmm. That's a huge deal that people don't understand.
1: Yeah, it is. It was a very huge deal for me. To be fair, I don't make it a big deal um, because I feel like
0: let me make it a big deal. Uh, I mean this this guy Gad is a is an international superstar. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's like the Seinfeld of everywhere else. True. But here. Yes. And people don't really know who he is in Not the Not in America, yeah. A- and despite a, a number of efforts, mm-hmm. and I think even Seinfeld is behind him and mm-hmm. promoting him. That kind mm-hmm. of but w- what – I don't mean to interrupt this whole no, thing. it's okay. But that was your first exposure to, to comedy. Yeah,
1: he was the first comedian I ever knew, which yeah. we all knew. Yeah, like um we went on this. so his stand up was pretty uh, specific to him he's not he doesn't he's not the standard american stand up comedian where he just stands on stage and talks he was very theatrical which a lot of the french people are because mm-hmm. i mean historically uh the french the comedy in france came from french theater right which is very expressive which is you know there's a lot of movement involved a lot of face involved a lot of music a lot of dance so like the french are high and high in expression so gad would sing a lot on stage would dance a lot and so we all knew his songs by heart in school (laughs) right and on the school bus we would sing his songs we we would sing his songs for years like the same we All of us knew it by heart. We knew his shows by heart. He was all we talked about. And I remember he was supposed to come to Lebanon a few years ago, and he sold out, like, two shows for, like, thousands of people. Big, big arena Big, yeah, yeah. 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 But then he couldn't come because Uh he got a political thing happen where Hezbollah was like, he can't come here. He's, you know, supporting whatever. Or because he's Jewish, you know, so... He had to cancel, unfortunately, and all of us got heartbroken. We were like, oh, no, we were all waiting for Gad for years because we've known him for years. We were like, this is the time he finally comes to Lebanon, and then he had to cancel. And so it was a big disappointment. Yeah. But even when I watched him, I never thought of doing it. Mm -hmm. I was never like, oh, I could do what he's doing.
0: But other than the bullying, are there the people that are funny in the family?
1: Uh, my dad.
0: Your dad is My the, dad is, the is one. very
1: Yeah, and my grandfather. Uh-huh. So my dad and my grandfather are on my mom's side, I would say, and my uncle. Yeah. My mom's brother and my mom's dad are hilarious. Very differently though. And my dad is, so my dad is just, my dad is a very fat man and he has the personality of a fat man. You know what I mean? He jokes about food. He's just so adorable. You always want to pinch his cheeks. He's just like, he was all my friends' favorite dad growing up. Everybody loved my dad because he would just dance for us. He would move his belly and everybody would be like, oh my God. He would let us punch him in the stomach. He was that kind of person. Yeah. And my uncle, for uh, however, my mom's brother, he's just like cynical, just dark and, like just mean but hilarious person, and I think he was my biggest influ- comedic <laughs> influence. Now that I think about it, yeah, not, he was just so witty. Not the
0: jolly, <laughs> not the jolly.
1: No, although I have a piece of that. Yeah, I do have a slight piece of yeah, that. My mom to. is a more serious person. When she jokes, it's more. Um, I would I wouldn't say I got any humor from my mom. I got everything else from her, though, mm-hmm. like uh, my personality, my way of thinking, um, my uh, my anger issues like um and my strength i got everything else from my mother i would say thank
0: goodness that comedy piece was there yeah right
1: (laughs) we barely know if it is i don't even know if it really is (laughs) i hope it is (laughs) or else i'm in trouble (laughs) uh
0: so but at some point you decide to do comedy
1: yes so i decided
0: you were were in school briefly in nyu yes yes and then Got pulled out of that.
1: Got pulled out of that. My mom made me go back to Lebanon. Right.
0: Wasn't happy with it financially no. or something. Wasn't trusting Everything the situation.
1: Wasn't. She thought I was too young. Okay. And she was right. Yeah. I think 18 to move across the ocean and go to college in America when you're not American is just, yeah. it's too much.
0: In retrospect. In
1: retrospect.
0: A lot. And yeah. probably around that time, uh, maybe American politics also not lining she up. She didn't care about that. Didn't care about no. that.
1: No, She did. She, my mom never cared about this stuff. She uh. was just like... She felt it in her gut that something wasn't right with me being here at that young of an age. She like, just knew
0: as a parent as that a parent, for you, yes. this was not the right thing. Yes. So she pulled you back yes. and you did university yes. in Lebanon. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that was eh.
1: Yeah. Uh, <sighs> it was tough because I just really didn't want to be there. Right. I just really wanted to leave Lebanon at that point. So you could have put me in a heaven in Lebanon. I would have still been like, this sucks. Yeah. And because I just really wanted to be in New York. Mm-hmm. I wanted my freedom. I was Because when I turned 18, I got to the point where I was like, I feel like I have so much to express. And Lebanon is just holding me back. Yeah, I didn't know what it was, though. I just felt like there was more I wanted to do. I was like, I'm never going to be able to do anything here.
0: So uh, I would assume you did mm-hmm. not start doing comedy there.
1: No, I was a writer. Okay, I was a comedy writer at a production house.
0: There? Yes. Uh, working on what? TV show?
1: Um, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, like YouTube sketches. And we were working on a pilot, which yep. we wrote, and we wrote kind of the whole show. But then Lebanon has no money. The production house was struggling to find um, financing for the show. And then they just kind of fell in the trap that every production house almost fails falls into of uh, just shooting commercials and stuff yeah. like that because that's where the money is. And they sort of lost the ability to focus on what they thought was fun and that they would like to spend their time on because... They needed money, mm-hmm. right? So, but by the time they started doing that, I had already already left to New York. Okay. But I'm still very close to them. I talk to them, and whenever I go to Lebanon, I go to the production house. And sure, we wish them well. We do. They're great guys. <laughs>
0: That's right. you but uh, you you came here, and mm-hmm. you then how quickly does it start? This is three years uh, ago. Two
1: months after. Two Th- months after, yeah, three and a half years ago, yeah. So, and what's
0: the transition from writing YouTube, maybe a pilot, to I'll just stand up and say some stuff, yeah, I'll so write some jokes.
1: When I first got here, I was like, I'm going to move to New York and become a writer on SNL. That was it. I was like, I'm going to do that. That's easy. Pfft, I was,
0: yeah, seems easy. When you
1: come out of, when you come from an outside country and you come to America, you're like, I can do anything here. Yeah, they make it seem like America is where you go to, you can do anything. And then I got here, and it wasn't. It didn't take long for me to realize that's not how it happened. So I was like, okay, just let me figure it out. And then one night, a month later, a friend came to New York, and I was like, let's see what we where we can take her. And then I saw a thing about a about um the Comedy Cellar. Mm. I was like, oh, apparently a lot of tourists like to go there. Apparently, it's a huge thing for American comedy. It's like, so I was like, let's go because yeah. she was here. I was like, I'll check it out too. Like. And I didn't feel any anything about it. I was just like, well, let's just go check out this comedy, stand up comedy, stand up comedy is cool. I like stand up comedy. Right. I don't know much about it, right? But let me go check it out. And so we go. Um, there's four of us, and then the whole show. I was just like, what? <laughs> I would, to me, it was just amazing. I I remember what 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 stood out to me the most was Michelle Wolf, uh-huh. um, who did an ISIS joke. <laughs> She had a nicest joke about something and I was like – and as soon as she said it, I was like – and I started looking around. I was like, she could just say that? She could just say that? <laughs> and she was so like careless about it and then she talked about – and then after her, they're just like more – I don't even remember who else was on the lineup. I think it was like – I don't even know. And every time someone would go in, they would all have at least one joke or one topic where I was like – it could be about sex. It could be about parents. It could be about, you know, relationship, anything that I would be like – People can just say these things. I was like, to me, the freedom of expression that I was witnessing that yeah. night, I was just like, that is so wild because in Lebanon, no matter what you want to say, you always think twice because you don't want to piss off the government. You don't want to piss off the people. You don't want to piss off your parents. You don't want to piss off the the government. Like there's always something yeah. that you don't want to piss off because there's no freedom of expression there. And so that's what enticed me. The mo- like that was what was like. I was like, that is unbelievable. I want to do that. I was like, I want to do that. I want to be able to talk about anything that I want and nobody will get in the way. <laughs> right. So I remember that day, Jeff Frost was on the show and I saw him after the show. I went up and I talked to him. My friends left forty five minutes into the show. (laughs) They had it. They had it because my friends are super Lebanese. They're not. They weren't very exposed to Western stuff, and most of the jokes, a lot of the comics were doing, were very American, and the Mm -hmm. references were very American. So my friends just kind of lost patience pretty quickly. And it was a midnight show, so they were tired, and they had smoked weed, and they were like, "This is it." I was like, "I'm going to stay," and I just stayed alone. Ideal audience. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're the they're the worst. Every time I have a show where a lot of my Lebanese friends come, all the American comics have a terrible time. Yeah. They're like, Your Lebanese friends don't laugh at anything. I'm like, it's not because they're annoying or, it's just they don't understand. Yeah. When you're gonna make a baseball reference, when you're when your punchline is a baseball reference, they're not gonna get it. Yeah. Even if you're hilarious, they don't know what you're talking about. That's where cultures clash a little bit. Anyway, so after the show I saw Jeff Frost outside and I was like, That is so cool what you guys just did. I wanna do that, he goes then do it, and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and then I did, and then I never stopped since it was three and a half years ago. That's amazing. Yeah,
0: and and so how do you get to the point where you're touring with with Gap?
1: Um, So I met him randomly. Just like I met that, him, yeah. So I had met um, I had met a comedian at a Broadway comedy club show um, that I saw again two days later on McDougal Street. Yeah, so we were, uh, and I was like, "Oh, hey, how are you?" And we were talking, and then we were at the door of the cellar talking because i ran into him and then at that i think it was that i don't remember the exact actions that were but then gad walked into the cellar with his then girlfriend whose name i can't remember and said hi to the comedian. And so the comedian introduced me since he was talking to yeah, me. And yeah. he told him I was Lebanese. And so this kind of aroused Gad's curiosity where he was like, oh, my God, Lebanon. I was supposed to go. I was like, I know you were supposed <laughs> right. to come. We were we all, all know. looking We were all it. waiting. He goes, I can't believe what happened. I was like, we couldn't believe what happened. We were more betrayed. He goes, I was more betrayed. And then so it kind of opened the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I'm very, I've never met a Lebanese comic. I'm very curious about what your stand-up is like. And I was like, yeah, okay. And he's like, here's my email. Send me a tape. I would just like to see. Yeah. I was like, sure. And that was like, at that point, I was like a year and a half into comedy, I think. Uh-huh. And so I sent him my tape and he got back to me three months later, I think, where he was <laughs> like, um, hey, I'm sorry. I was busy touring. Um, sure. Great stuff. Um, You got a lot of potential. Keep working. You're going to develop great, you know, ideas or whatever mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god, that's amazing." Yeah. I was, like, yeah. I, was like, cool. yeah. I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh, yeah." I was like, "He told me to keep going and keep working." That's the best thing that could ever happen to me ever. I was just <laughs> like, "Wow." And then I didn't see him for a while. And then back, I think it was in August or September, this past August, I was walking on McDougal Street to go to the Lantern Comedy Club yeah. where my friend was having his birthday. So I was walking to the to the Lantern and I run into get on the street. Like on the corner of the um, of uh, Bleeker and McDougal. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh my God, hi!" I'm like, "Oh my God, hi!" And we're like, "Whoa, I haven't seen you in like two years. How are you? How are you? Blah blah blah." And he's like, "Are you still getting up on stage?" I was like, "Yeah, every day." And he goes, "I would love to see like the improvement." I was like, "Yeah, sure." He's like, "We'll talk. Do you sell my number?" I was like, "Yeah, do you?" He goes, "Yeah, I do." I was like, "Okay, great." And then I left and I didn't think much of it. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, it's just him being polite, mm-hmm. right?" And then the next day he texts me. He goes, "All right, send me the new tape. I would love to see." And I was like, oh, my God. So I started like rewatching the tape, my latest tape, like a hundred times. I was like, is it good? I don't know. I used to love that tape. Now I hate it. Now I know that I have to send it to him. I hate it. And then I sent it to him thinking that he was just going to be like, oh, yeah, great. Keep going. Like yeah, right. the, yeah, Keep like, yeah, like the first time. And then he goes, be available on October 10th. You're going to open for me in D.C. And I was like, what? Wow. I dropped to the floor and like I had my head in my hands for like an hour. And I was like, what, what just happened? I'm gonna open for Gad. I was like, no, 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 no. I was just like, he's gonna change his mind. He's gonna change his mind. He's gonna change his mind. He's gonna shit for like up until the date of. I was like, he's gonna change his mind. He's gonna change his mind. And then he added um, the Toronto show also. I did with him, and then I did the closing of his sh- of his old tour in Dubai. We did two shows in Dubai as well. Amazing. Yeah, and by the time we got to Dubai, I was just like, oh, this is. The- I don't know how I'll ever be happier than I am. <laughs> at this moment and my pa- my mom came to dubai and my brother came to oh, dubai yeah. and some of my friends from high school who live in dubai came and it was just like the biggest room i had ever done it was a dubai opera which is just
0: majestic i gotta imagine that, that yeah. Dubai i mean that's as far as being treated well backstage
1: yeah you've
0: it was gotta the, raise the yeah, bar yeah
1: yeah it was the best backstage <laughs> we've had
0: yeah. yeah probably that exists
1: yeah probably <laughs>
0: I mean, they got all the money.
1: Yeah, it's huge. Everything is over there. It's is probably just... on
0: its own island, shaped yeah. like a microphone. Almost, almost. Yeah. It's
1: like the Dubai Opera is just beautiful. Like, I almost feel like, how dare we do stand up in this room? <laughs> you know, this is a room for like I don't know, uh, an international ballet or something. I don't know. I feel like it felt weird. I was like, well, stand up here. Like, I remember when I walked in in the afternoon when I met him for sound check and everything. I was just like. <gasps> My mom was like, I almost had a heart attack when I walked into that room because it was like, this is huge. This almost feels like the operas you see in the movies where people walk in with like the big gowns and the, the thing you vent your face with. I don't know how you call the those. Fan. The fan. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. That was such a simple word. Right? <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. It was just out of this world. And a part of me was very sad during that show. Actually, I was very sad on every show with him. I was very sad and I didn't understand for a while why do not why do I feel so sad. I was like, I feel so sad. And then I was like, is because a part of me knows that this is not my reality. Hmm. I'm like, this is not what my life is. This is a glitch <laughs> on the road. Like, I'm going to go back to New York. I'm going to go back to the shitty you know, comedy scene that I'm experiencing right now to the shitty shows, the shitty open mics. And this is just a glitch. So I don't want to enjoy it too much. And I don't want to be too happy because this is not what I have to remember. This is not what it is for me now. This is just a little bump, but it's not going to change anything for me now. I'm still going to have to go back and continue working really hard and still have to grind. Like, this is not it. I was like, I didn't want to feel too comfortable. So it's almost as if my subconscious was forcing me to stay sad just to not experience a big low, after i left.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems like that might be a uh unique and helpful thing that you have uh, developed in your life. Yeah. to uh ratchet back the emotions a I little guess. bit. Just keep guess. things in check, even yeah. it out. Yeah. And uh what well, what did you learn from gad doing the shows?
1: He um I learned a lot like he, he the interesting thing about touring with him um I would speak for me anyway. This was my experience touring with him. Yeah. He was very attentive to me. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, you're my opener, whatever. He was like, you represent me. Like, I feel, I felt like he really cared about how I did. And not just for him, but also for me. I fe- I felt like him giving me that opportunity was because he really, truly believed in me. And so every time I was on stage, every time I would open for him, every single time he was standing backstage staring at me, like watching my set. Yeah. Watching my set and then I would get off stage and bring him up and he would go up and he would do like, I would do 15 minutes and then I'd get out and then he would do an hour and a half, like nonstop, nonstop. And then he'd get off stage after having done an hour and a half. So he didn't, he saw my set an hour and a half ago and then he did an hour and a half worth of material and then he would get off stage, we would get off stage and he would go through my whole set joke by joke with me. (laughs) He'd be like, this joke is great. This, this punchline, I think you felt what the crowd, how the crowd reacted. This joke is great for a club, but I think you notice it's not good for a theater. Blah, 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 blah. Like, he was so attentive with me, and he would give me feedback on everything. Wow. Yeah, he was great. He was so great. And so, and then when we would be, like, leaving D.C. to go to Toronto... He would talk to me and he would be like, OK, so in D.C., I think that was the big theater, the first big theater that you did. I think you learned a lot. I think th- Toronto is going to be even more fun for you now. So like when you go to Toronto now, be relaxed. You tested out those jokes. You see they work with my crowd. So now when you do it in Toronto, I just want you to go all in and don't be scared. And, yeah. like, and he never gave me pressure. He was never like, I need you to do well. He was like, just have fun. He was like, no matter what you do, this is going to go great for me. <laughs> so it kind of relieved the pressure. And yeah, he's like, yeah. and I picked you for a reason. I wouldn't have picked you if I wouldn't think you could do a good job. Sure, yeah. So he was like, just go out there, have fun. And so it kind of relieved me a lot. And I was like, okay, he doesn't. he's not expecting me to prove anything to him. So I just was like having fun and was treated so well. But then every time after the show when I'd go back to the hotel room or whatever, I'd be so sad. I think the first thing was the thing that I told you, and then the second thing was like the show was such a high. Yeah, like you're yeah. you're you're in this big spotlight, and it was it's, it was like nothing I ever felt before. Like no matter how much of a big groom I had done in New York, like at a club or at a show, like I think at that point before that, the biggest crowd I had done was like a hundred people yeah. once. Yeah, and so that feeling of having two, one two thousand people, just like laughing at once and like listening and you're in the big on this big stage with this big spotlight and everything it was just a feeling i had never encountered before and it was like such a big high yeah that when i would get off stage the low was just three times stronger Yeah. so i would sit in the hotel room i'd be like what now what is that's it like what am i i was just with i was just on stage with the two thousand people and now i'm just sitting here all alone <laughs> i'm like i don't understand what am i this is so weird and then i was like Oh, I can't imagine what it's like for rock stars, you know, like having 60,000 people. I'm like, no, no no wonder they're all having drug addictions and alcohol addictions because the lowest because you want to keep the high going. You want to keep like the high emotions that you feel like I I was like, I really would like to get drunk right now. Because I was like, I don't like how I feel right now after this. So I understand. I'm like, rock stars who perform to 70,000 people, no wonder they would want to go and have cocaine and like drink whiskey all night just to kind of get this thing going.
0: You also see why they keep doing it. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you wonder what that per- that doesn't that person doesn't need a tour.
1: Yeah, no, they, they really need it. Yeah, but they
0: need it for that reason because yeah. once you get to that thing, which seems like the thing that everybody's working for. Yeah, and it's and it's so extraordinary. It's extr. It's like but then, else. as you say, you're ordering. You know oats yeah. Yeah. Uh, for breakfast yeah. to be delivered to the hotel room and looking out over a dumpster whatever yeah. it is. I mean, maybe you yeah, have a nicer like, hotel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, mm, and
1: now... they weren't even my fans. Yeah, yeah, like, I can't yeah. imagine what it is for Gad or someone like him. You know, yeah. people like, for these big comics to do these theaters for people who are there for them. Yes. I'm sure what they experience when they're on stage, is very different because they experience it with knowing how much all these people who are here love them. Yeah. All these people love you. They love listening to you. So, of course, there's an even bigger high from that. So I can't imagine what it's like. I never asked Gad how it's like for him. Gad is a very reflective person and he's kind of quiet and he likes to yeah, kind of – he thinks a lot and everything. So, And I never asked him, like, how do you deal with that? Because I think at the time I hadn't realized I was feeling it. Mm-hmm. By the time I realized I was feeling it, I was just already back in New York and everything was over. And I was like, hmm, very interesting to reflect back on that and yeah. the emotions I was feeling.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see how you are able to temper things through the uh, mm-hmm. bar shows and basements of yeah. The I mean, those are New still York really area. fun. I really still enjoy it. Yeah,
1: still fun. I really enjoyed the process. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like it. Mm-hmm.
0: And just uh, you know, setting Gads' experience aside, mm-hmm. how remarkable to go from that kid in the middle of the field just screaming yeah to the Dubai Opera House yeah and having people reflect not. Bullying energy, yeah. but loving energy yeah. towards you. That's a little bit of healing that happens yeah. right there.
1: Big, big healing for big sure. Time. That's big. amazing. But I feel like I'm always that little girl. I really oh, yeah. am because yeah. I'm. I'm. I. Every time I'm about to get on stage, I feel like everybody's going to hate me and notice that I'm weak <laughs> right. and use that against me like they did. Right. You know, I. I always feel that some part of me. That's why I'm always, no matter how. Well, I feel like I did on a show or anything at the moment of. I'm always like five minutes later. I'm like, no, that was terrible. I'm terrible. I'm not that good. Who do I think I am? Like, I'm still that loser. Like, I always feel that. Like, and people are like, no, you shouldn't think that. Like, I know I shouldn't, but I can't control it. It's a part of me that just is still a part of me, you know, where I feel but like. But
0: part of you also scared to give that up.
1: Yeah, maybe. Because maybe that's I'm a source
0: of, behind uh, it. in your mind, a source of strength in some way. Maybe. When, in fact, it, yeah. maybe it doesn't need to be there. Yeah. You're stronger in other ways.
1: Yeah. Could be. Yeah, it could be. Something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> I will reflect a lot after this. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because then it's going to be you in front of all the people. Yeah. And, and, True. Uh, somebody will be opening for you.
1: I hope so, if I'm yeah, lucky. Of yeah, of course.
0: So you seem so. pretty lucky. At least stay on McDougal Street.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like right now, <laughs> what you see on social media what I'm telling you right now, those are the good stuff. Of course. You know, but yes. these are anomalies to <laughs> my everyday life, yes. right? Yeah. Because these are, in total, these are five days out of three and a half years where all the other days, most of the other days have been really shitty, Where I would, sometimes I cry myself to sleep after a show because, you know, sometimes I'm like, I can feel, I feel just like terrible anxiety and, and I feel like I'm just terrible. And every time I did well, it was just luck, you know, it's just like, I've had those really, sometimes I go to those really dark places and I just have, sometimes I have two or three or four weeks, like right after the other consecutively of just like no good emotion at all. Yeah. Just like, you know, defeat and sadness and loss of, you know, excitement. But since I've had it before and I've gotten out of it before, when I have it now, I have the thought of, I've had this before and it got better at some point. So there will probably be a point again where it's going to get better. So I just fight through it. I just like push through it. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a terrible profession
1: terrible right <laughs> terrible every time i'm like i wish i loved someone else uh, something else <laughs> yeah i wish that wasn't what i loved yeah. yeah a lot of people are like don't say that comedy is the best thing ever i'm like yeah it is the best thing ever but i wish it wasn't the best thing ever to me
0: it requires uh, being so fully present yeah. And active in all of our emotions as we go time. through it. And yeah. listening all the time and being open. Yeah. That it is uh, tough on a person, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mentally requires a lot of stamina, which yeah. you have. Yeah. So you're fortunate. Mm-hmm. And look, some people never get those five days. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just have a year of, meh, yeah. uh, you know, substandard. Or just True. like, what it is, what it is. True. Life is not like...
1: True. Uh, You
0: know, it's fine. And that's fine for some people too. Yeah. With some of us, we need the elevated days. So, I mean, great that you had it. And uh, also for me, acupuncture has helped.
1: I heard about that. (laughs) I heard about that. Yeah. I heard that acupuncture helps a lot with anxiety,
0: it helped with anxiety and a little bit of the depression too.
1: Really? I yeah. wonder how. It's just needles in your face, no?
0: I know. Well, then I got some herbs to help with the uh, lungs, oh. which are supposedly where grief and sadness sit.
1: In the lungs?
0: In the lungs. I didn't know that. I didn't
1: either. Interesting. But where I did you hear herbs. about that? Where did you first hear about acupuncture? As um...
0: Well, you know, I mean, you hear about acupuncture, mm. but then as I started saying, you know, being, I started being honest about the level of grief I was experiencing and how sad I was, yeah. you know, when you're like... Bursting into tears almost every night. Yeah, you say I got to do something. Yeah, and then you let somebody else know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hopefully, you have somebody around that you can say, "Hey, listen, this is not what it should be." Mm-hmm. And they said, "Well, you know where grief lives in the lungs." Yeah, huh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay, Very
1: interesting. I didn't know there was a science to grief.
0: I yes, you I guess I mean? there is. Yeah, I didn't know there was a physiological correlation to yeah. it, but. Oh, it makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you can't, take a breath in.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll try it maybe. Try Acupuncture. it.
0: Acupuncture. Let me know. Yeah. In the yeah. meantime, uh, Natalie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having this me. This has been so great. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like we could talk another hour, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I really appreciate you coming in. you got some shows coming up that people can yeah. find out on the website.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's the website
1: again? Um, dot com. <laughs> Yes. You got it.
0: Um, This has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. I so enjoyed that. Natalie is an inspiration, and it sounds like she's going to recommend some good places for me to visit when I go to Beirut. Keep an eye on Natalie. I'm sure you'll hear more from her. Personalized reading this week goes out to bar cover-ups of Redacted Falls, Virginia,
1: Oh, we're not dying right now. Let's celebrate.
0: And lucky numbers this week are five, fifteen, nineteen, 19 as in Save the Date, May 15th, 2019. It's our season finale. Live with Griffin Newman, Emmy Blotnick, Lindsay Broad, and Samus. With Cornelius Loy on the theremin and the Deep Night dancers, plus a special surprise appearance from a Seaver family member making her Deep Night debut. It's 8 p.m. at the Slipper Room, Lower East Side, New York City. Come on out. Tickets are 12 bucks. All the info is up on the site. Now, I'm off to Iceland for a little glacier ceremony, but I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And remember, although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced by James Buley. He's gotten used to answering to the name Dale when people see him. Season 11 podcast icon by Candace Brosma. Season 11 podcast theme by Zach Gabbard. Music heard throughout the show by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Season 11 poster artwork contributed by illustrators Catherine Lamb, Maria Wen, Scott Balmer, Ronald Horn Industries, and Laurent Rybick. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Even if you listen on some other fine platform, zip over there and leave us a couple of stars. Uh, The show is weekly with live events every other month at the Slipper Room in Manhattan on the Lower East Side. Thank you for listening and for your kind support. Now with Gaia's blessings, let's seal the portal.